Hello, it's 2021. Vaccines are here, travel is back in a big way, and so are we. Welcome to season three of The Trip That Changed Me, a podcast about transformative travel experiences brought to you by Full Time Travel and hosted by me, Esme Benjamin. In a few weeks, I will be leaving New York City and heading out on a very quintessential USA road trip with my husband and our dog. The plan is to blend work with national park adventures, cowboy towns, and weird roadside attractions. And at the moment, there is no set return date, which I kind of love. I'm really excited to be recording season three from some cool locations around the country, but still be bringing you the same amazing guests and inspiring travel stories. Stories that we hope will inspire your next life-affirming trip. If you like travel podcasts, which I'm assuming you do if you're listening to this one, then you may already be familiar with today's guest. Jason Moore is the host and creator of the top-rated Zero to Travel podcast, on which he shares thoughtful interviews, unconventional perspectives, and actionable advice to help people travel the world on their own terms. He's also the co-founder of the Location Indie Community and the Lifestyle Launch Academy, through which he's mentored hundreds of budding entrepreneurs, helping them build a side hustle and break free of their nine to five so they can do more of what they love in life. On this episode, Jason and I discuss his first big solo trip, backpacking through Europe on the interrail. There were highs, like a 2 a.m. international soccer match in a 10-person hostel dorm, and lows, like getting mugged by a gang in Barcelona. But ultimately, Jason says the experience made his soul vibrate. By the end, he was determined to make travel part of his life in a more permanent way. Join us as we discuss gap years, traveling with children, tips for living a location-independent lifestyle, and expanders, the term for people who expand our understanding of what's possible for us. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I like to always start with early, you know, formative travel experiences. When did you first catch the travel bug? Yeah, it's a good question. Sometimes it's hard to pinpoint an exact moment. Well, have you ever heard about the travel chromosome? There was was an article a while back that said that there was uh, some travel chromosome they identified in, in within DNA or something. I'm again, I'm not a scientist. I'm a travel podcaster. So you can hear that <laughs> in my explanation. But, um, you know, I wonder if I got that because I always felt an excitement and a rush going anywhere new, even if it wasn't that far from my hometown. I grew up outside of Philadelphia in the suburbs. So may- maybe like most suburban kids, it's like anything outside of the suburbs was like, holy crap, this is incredible. <laughs> and I remember a couple things, though. Uh, first, when I was about nine or 10 years old, my parents took me to New York City. Now, maybe I'd gone before, but I don't know. It was, it was a time where I remembered it and it made an impression on me. So getting out on the city streets and seeing the diversity of humanity and just all the, the audio you hear, right? All the voices, people yelling, the cars, the action, the vibe, the energy of New York City. I just won't ever forget that because it it kind of opened my eyes and made me realize that there is a bigger world out there and a lot a lot of people out there outside of my little bubble in the suburbs, you know. And in the years that followed, 
I was lucky that I had a dad who liked to take us to different places and do a lot of different things. He was the, he's still the type of guy. I mean, he was just out on an RV trip with my stepmom for some weeks. He, he always likes to be kind of getting out and doing stuff. And in that way, we got to get out and do a lot of different things. And one of those things was going on camping trips up to the Poconos. Uh, we went on a camping trip down to Virginia. And we would just do these, you know, within a day drive type of camping weekends. But again, it was a total adventure because we were outside. We were in a different place. And everything was unpredictable in many ways, right? So in that regard, I think it was just, I loved that idea of kind of not knowing what was going to happen and being on a trip. And I'd say those two things were probably, if I had to pick a couple things, is the camping experiences and the trip to New York that kind of got me the travel bug in a way. Mm-hmm. It must have been cool visiting New York at a young age. I didn't go for the first time until I was 21. But it was kind of everything I hoped it would be. And I know I'm biased because I've chosen to live here. (laughs) But um, I can remember finding everything just fascinating. And like you say, the energy. I remember us getting it rained and me and my mum got splashed by a cab that like drove by a million miles an hour and just (laughs) covered us in rainwater. I even found that completely charming. I was like, ah! Oh my god. Right. This is so Isn't that funny about New York? Yeah, if somebody's yelling at you like, "Oh, somebody's cursing at me." How charming. Exactly. <laughs> it's like New York version of polite is kind of like sort of them yelling at you in a way, uh-huh. but in in a, a kind of a nice way. You know what I mean? What from the angry diner waiters and waitresses to the people on the street who you ask for directions, you know, it, it's that Yeah, it's that angry sort of vibe i mean the difference between (laughs) new york and london is is really interesting to me because in london if someone was going to ask for directions they'd be like oh i'm really sorry excuse me because i I don't mean to bother you but do you know the way to piccadilly circus whereas in new york someone would just turn to you and be like where is times square and you're like oh um i think it's this way and they're like thank you very much and they just go on their way (laughs) just so much more direct no time to waste yeah Yeah. but there Uh, is a a vibe and an energy to that city that's hard to describe in words it's just immediate when you get out of the train station or you get out of a taxi or however you arrive to the the city you get out on the street and it's just an energy i think a lot of places have an energy but there's something special about the energy in new york city yeah and i think what you're describing is kind of a culture shock feeling which I think often is the thing that ignites the travel bug. For me, one of my first big trips abroad was to Egypt, to Cairo. Oh, wow. And it just blew my mind completely. And from there, I was like, okay, I need to do a lot more kind of foreign travel. Did you go abroad much when you were young? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, no, I didn't. I just didn't grow up in the family that we didn't have a lot of money to travel in that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it wasn't, it just wasn't something that we ever did. In fact, I think one of the first times my parents went abroad was to visit me in Norway where I live now. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So you went to college and yeah. you said that some of your friends had gone to study abroad. Mm-hmm. Was that the first time that you started to think, "Hey, maybe I could do this?" Yes, it was the first time I realized that it was a thing you could do. In, in many ways, right? And again, not to date myself too much, but this is before blogs and podcasts and, you know, all of these the YouTube stations, all these reassuring 
things so you could go and watch online where people tell you, Hey, look me, I'm traveling and it's all good. And you can do it too. I, I didn't have any of that. And it was the late nineties. So uh, all we had was sort of the word of mouth, you know, it's how we found out about music. That's how we found out about different things in the world. Right. Uh-huh. And, and lonely planet guidebooks. <laughs> yeah. And lo- lonely planet, of course. <laughs> yeah. But even then I hadn't been turned on to the idea that independent travel or budget travel was a thing that you can do. I think I grew up with the traditional mindset of like, well, traveling is a, an expense, you know, and you have to spend a lot of money to travel. And I just made the assumption that, well, I couldn't, I couldn't possibly study abroad because I don't have that kind of money to study abroad. It just wasn't something that I even looked into. In hindsight, that was a mistake because, you know, maybe it would have cost about the same as a semester at college anyway. I was already taking on student debt. You know, maybe there was a place I could go where the, the expense would be a trade-off. So it was a limiting belief in some ways. And I think a lot of this goes back to the stories we tell ourselves, right? It's, it's fortunately, as you know, getting to host a podcast, you get a lot of perspectives and you really get to open up your mind in a lot of different ways with uh, different guests and uh, through travel experiences as well. So hearing about the experiences my friends had studying abroad, seeing them go and just disappear for a semester or two, and then come back maybe changed in some way, just telling stories from these far off lands, exposing me to the idea that there were people that were backpacking and traveling around Europe, because a lot of them went to Spain and different places in Europe. And, and it just became a bit of an obsession in some ways, not so much that I felt like when I was in college, I had to find a, a way to go there and spend a week or two. But it was something that I knew I said, okay, I kind of set an intention when I get out of college, I want to go backpacking around Europe because now I know this is a thing and I need to do this thing somehow. Mm. It's, it's funny. It sounds like they were, I think the official term is expanders. <laughs> so expanders. they, okay. yeah. I've never like, heard that term. It's like people you surround yourself with that expand, I guess, the limits of what you think is possible for yourself. Yeah. So because they've done something, you're like, well, that means I could do it. I could start a company. Mm. I could go traveling. I love that. Yeah. So then, how did you make the leap to be like, okay, I'm coming out of college. I've, I'm saddled with some debt, mm-hmm. but I think I'm going to do the thing and <laughs> take a solo trip to Europe. Well, it was a bit of a leap because I did have over $20,000 in student debt. Coming out then, I'm not sure if this is still the case, but you were allowed to delay your debt for a period of six months or something like that. So you didn't have to start paying it off right away. But I graduated in the middle of the winter. So I, I, you know, I finished that semester. It was a weird time because I went to school for four and a half. I needed the extra semester for whatever reason. Uh, maybe I was being too lazy in college. I don't know, probably. <laughs> so uh, my friends, a lot of my friends had left, you know, prior to that last semester. And then I came in the middle of winter back to where I grew up, suburban Philadelphia. And I was kind of like, well, some of my friends graduated and the ones that already did, had a job and the other, or some of them were still back in school. And here I was just sort of on my mom's couch, eating potato chips, (laughs) trying to figure (laughs) out what I was going to do. Slightly depressed, slightly confused with the idea of, okay, I guess I'm supposed to get a regular job now. I'm supposed to, all these supposed tos that are part of the status quo that you think you're supposed to do, that you really just are made up things that you put on yourself or 
society puts on you and you take in in some ways. But I had, I had this, this idea to go to Europe, even though I had the debt and everything like that. So what happened was I ended up getting offered a sort of regular job. I'm using air quotes. And it was a, a kind of a pivotal moment because I talked to my mom and I'm sure she wanted me, you know, out of there. She probably wanted a little space, but she, <laughs> God bless her. She said, well, you know, do you want to do this Europe thing? Then I, I, I don't think you should take this job because my heart didn't want to take the job. I just felt like it was a responsibility that I, I needed to take on. And that would mean what? Getting an apartment, getting a car, doing all this stuff. And it just seemed like it was really going to prohibit me from doing what I wanted to do with the Europe thing. I said, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I'll get a job in a restaurant. I'll do something else that allows me to save money and doesn't put me into that sort of situation mm. where it's a lot harder to break. Because once you're on the ladder, you're, you're climbing it. <laughs> yeah. So, so the idea was to go to just work some job and then save up money and go that next summer because I graduated in December. But I started thinking differently and I started thinking, okay, well, I want to travel. Why don't I just look for jobs that require me to travel? I don't really care what they are. If it's something that puts me on the road, I'm, I'm open to doing it. So miraculously through, it was probably Ask Jeeves or something then, who knows what it was. But I, I did some searching around the internet uh, my mom was an IT director, so we had internet and fax machine at home and things like that. And I stumbled upon this touring job in the event industry where you would travel around city to city and set up a charity event at a big box retail store. It was going to be a racetrack where kids would race modified lawn tractors <laughs> without, so with, the blades, with the blades taken off. So they didn't chop up their own feet and stuff, you know, they would do this race and it would help a local drug prevention charity and it would just go city to city. So I didn't really know exactly what this whole industry was. It turns out this is, you know, like a billion dollar industry, probably the events industry, traveling events, but I never heard of this industry before. So all I knew was I got a fax with a tour schedule and I was like, oh, look, I can go to all these places in eight months and get paid $500 a week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rich. This is incredible. And Living I'm the dream. $30 a day per diem. <laughs> and I got, you know, I got hired. It was the weirdest job interview ever because it took place at some golf cart manufacturer because they were thinking about switching from lawn tractors to golf carts. Anyway, <laughs> that's another story. And it was just strange, but they faxed me the tour schedule. I got the gig and I said, I don't really know what this is, but I'm just doing it because I'm going to go out on the road, man. And, you know, it's funny because my friends and I joke, I ended up working in that industry for over 10 years and living nomadically and just going from contract to contract, doing these event gigs and doing different touring jobs and then traveling overseas in between. But I didn't know all that at the time. I thought this was like a once in a lifetime, you know, adventure. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to travel across the United States. Maybe when this ends, because it'll end in the, the following winter, I'll pick up another gig or two and then I'll have money saved up and then I can go to Europe the next summer. So that's what I did. I have so many questions about this job. <laughs> it's, it's so <laughs> it's niche. One of many random jobs. Yeah. What did you study at college? I studied communication. Well, I switched communications. So originally, I was one of those that didn't really know what I wanted to do. Maybe still don't. Uh, <laughs> eventually transitioned to communications because I, I always loved the classes where I got to be more creative in high school. Like when we did a broadcast cable class and we have to 
make a TV show or a news program or something or edit a film together or do some kind of audio project. So it turns out in hindsight, I'm actually using my degree, I think, yeah. podcast and everything. It's kind of surprising. Come full circle. Yeah. But uh, it's always something I enjoyed being around like the audio video type of stuff. It's interesting that you talked about this tension between, you know, wondering whether you should get a quote unquote real job yeah. or go traveling. Because I think traveling is seen as being kind of irresponsible or something. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know like, why that is. Like, why, why do you think people still, when you say like, I want to live a travel lifestyle or digital nomad lifestyle, why, do, why are people's response like, oh, well, when are you going to get a real job, buy a house, have children, settle down, you know, be a real person? It's a good question. And I don't know if that's true across the board in the sense of like, after I traveled and I started meeting people from Australia or England, mm. where a gap year is something that's in your culture. So in that way, if you're a certain age, right, and you're from a certain place, then that's okay. That's not right. saying, that's not being irresponsible. That's going out and exploring the world and taking a gap Which year. Which you should do, right? Yeah. <laughs> you should do, because that's in the culture. That wasn't yeah. in the U.S. culture. Um, Why do you think that is? I don't know. It's something that should be. And I think it's becoming more and more a part of it now that people are working remotely and can get Mm. around a bit more, maybe not necessarily a gap year in the same sense. But uh, I think the U.S. is very (laughs) (laughs) U.S.-centric in a lot of ways. You know, It, it just is. And it's just a deep part of the culture. And I think in a way, maybe that can blind some people, depending on your upbringing and your exposure to travel, it can blind you to the, even the idea of going and doing things like this. And I think part of that can also be another limiting belief that travel needs to be expensive. There's the whole tourism side of things. And if you look at marketing and tourism traditionally, it's just travels a certain way, right? You have to pay for a hotel and you have to fly and you have to do all these things and all of those costs add up and it's expensive. So I don't know if uh, independent travel or budget travel is a thing that a lot of people were aware of or are aware of in the U.S. And that's, that can be part of it, too. You know, if a gap year is in the culture in Australia or, in, or England or whatever, it's just, again, like people come back, you kind of know people do it, they share, they're, they're talking, you know, contrary to popular belief, I still think a lot of the information we get or some of the best information is not from the Internet. It's from actually just our networks, the people we talk to. Yeah. Just being a human. (laughs) Talking to other humans, right? Yeah. The good old fashioned way. (laughs) (laughs) So while you were doing this job, how were you also at the same time planning this trip through Europe? What was the itinerary? How far did you get in terms of planning or did you just kind of turn up and wing it? Yeah, it was more of the turn up and wing it thing. (laughs) I mean, I did look into the options of trying to figure out how I could plan a trip that was flexible because I wanted to have that freedom to just go where the wind took me in some ways. Or, uh, you know, I didn't really know exactly how an adventure like that would unfold because I didn't know anybody who solo traveled and I never did it myself in that way. So, or really in any way. So I, I didn't know. All I knew is that flexibility would be a good thing. So the Eurail Pass is the thing I locked into because I heard that was a great way to be flexible and travel around Europe you oftentimes can get dropped off in a city center and be very central. You can walk to accommodations. Uh, You don't need to rent cars and things like that. And even though the pass I got was a little more expensive, 
I knew it was going to be more the style of travel where I just wanted to get out and see a bunch of things. I wasn't into slow travel at the time. I'm like, let me just take it all in and go as many places as I can. And, you know, it was a few days here and there and just kind of bumping around and meeting people and sometimes staying longer in some places and sometimes getting out and doing different things depending on who I met and the circumstances. So uh, it was exactly kind of the way I wanted. So the planning on the planning side, I guess it was really just planning for flexibility. Mm -hmm. And why did you decide on Europe as opposed to Southeast Asia, especially given budgetary restrictions? Yeah, again, I didn't, it was just kind of the thing that I was exposed to, right? right? It's what my friends did and study abroad. They went to Europe and then of course, through university, through high school, and just through my education, I got exposed to a lot of European culture. And I just became very fascinated with the idea of, okay, well, here's this thing, the Sistine Chapel, and you've read about it, but what is it like to stand in there and look at it, you know, or the Roman Colosseum or all of these different things that you can see. And uh, it, it was just a lot of stuff that I knew was in Europe, and I really wanted to have the, the experience of traveling there. So I, I didn't even think about really any other places until later. So it was a good stepping stone for me in that way, because Western Europe is, it's not a big leap cultural. I mean, of course, there's a cultural leap and it's totally different. But as far as like infrastructure, a lot of people speak English, you know, it was, it was almost sort of easier Mm, felt comfortable in some places. Well, I mean, at least that's the perception. I've traveled around Southeast Asia and I think it's pretty easy to travel around there too. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think that at the time. I, di- I just didn't know anybody who ever went to Southeast Asia. So it just wasn't even on my radar. And was this the first solo trip that you'd taken? Yes. How was the experience of traveling solo different from how you imagined it would be? Great question. I think in many ways, so much better than I imagined it to be. I thought there might be more low points, Mm. perhaps, maybe loneliness, maybe different challenges that uh, might come up that were going to be a lot harder than I thought they were going to be, or I wasn't, I wouldn't be able to, I mean, not that I didn't think I could manage any of the challenges, but, uh, you know, I'm really grateful for the experience I had touring leading up to that point, because I got a lot of experience just being savvy on the road and being resourceful and being self-reliant and those jobs and the leadership positions that came with those and, and the various tasks that were, you know, to wear a lot of different hats when you're on those types of tours from managing labor crews to, you know, doing client facing stuff to, you know, being interviewed on the wacky morning show or whatever. It's just like throughout one day, you're wearing all these different hats and doing all these different things. And it just, it made me more adaptable and more confident, I guess, in some ways. So when I I left, I was nervous because I didn't know anybody who had done something like this before. But at the same time, my experience on the road, I've had sort of glimpses of solo travel. Like I was fine with going to a restaurant and eating a meal by myself. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed my own company. So I wasn't too afraid of that, but I didn't really know how the experience was going to unfold. I think I was more afraid of maybe getting lonely or not meeting anybody. And it turns out that's a that's not a concern at all. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> when you're, when you're traveling in that way, if you choose to stay in hostels or, you know, get yourself in situations where you, you can meet people, people are so receptive to chatting and that's uh, especially fellow travelers, but also locals. If you have the 
if you have the intention to kind of put out that open energy of like, hey, you know, I'm up for meeting, I'm up for chatting, I'm up for a random conversation in a bar over a beer with whoever I sit next to or whatever. There's something to that energy, I think, as well, that invites some of that in. Mm. I think especially with backpacking, once you start doing it, you realize that it's like joining a club. (laughs) When you're there, you realize that lazy people are all doing the same kind of routes and they all want to share their experiences and their tips about where they've been. And sometimes they're like, I'm going to this place, so you should come too. (laughs) Did you have any of those experiences where meeting someone changed where you thought you were going to go? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was 24 years old and single. So I could leave that out there. <laughs> there. There was that, that type of thing. There was a, you know, there was one time where I went to San Sebastian, Spain, and there was no place to stay. Cause it turned out there was a festival. I had no idea a festival that was so popular that everything was booked. And I think I found one hotel room, but it was a hundred and something dollars. And I was like, there's no way I'm spending a hundred dollars on a hotel. That's crazy talk. <laughs> so, um, Anyway, I met some random people on the beach and we just decided, well, we're like, they couldn't find a place to stay either. And we were all talking about what we were going to do. And we're like, well, listen, there's this festival. We're in Spain. Why don't we just stay up all night and not go to bed? That's, that's the solution to that problem. So we stuffed our stuff in a locker at the train station and just stayed up all night. And then we went to sleep in a park probably around 6am or something. And we all slept for a couple hours and kind of woke up and we were like, Oh, I was like, cool. We had a good time together. Should we rent a car and go on a road trip? Somebody walked in, we rented a car. And then the four of us went on a road trip around Spain for the next four or five days. And it was just like, it's just going with the flow and these types of things can happen. And, and especially when you're traveling solo and you have that flexibility, it's just such a wonderful experience to be able to take those decisions and have the freedom to just kind of do the thing and go to unexpected places that were not on your itinerary or not even your itinerary, but just even on your radar at all, you know, Mm -hmm. just wonderful experiences. Yeah. Would you describe yourself as an introvert or an extrovert? I think I become more introverted as I get older. Me too. (laughs) But I'm an extrovert, especially then it was full on. I just wanted to hang out, meet people, meet people from different countries hear their stories, hear their perspectives and learn about the world. And I still love just chatting with people. So I'd say I'm probably, I lean extrovert, but I'm it's sliding the other way. But I also think that labels can be a bit of a dangerous thing, right? If you label yourself as an introvert or an extrovert, are you limiting yourself to what is possible or what you think is possible. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, Could it be that one day uh, it's a day-to-day thing maybe, right? And then that I can handle that, right? It's like I wake up, okay, I'm an introvert today. I feel like I don't want to be around anybody. Cool. The next day I might want to hang out with five of my friends and have a barbecue or whatever. I think that's okay too. Mm. And solo travel kind of lends itself to that, you know, flipping between the two because you can Decide that you want to be alone for a week or a day or however yeah. long. And then when you want company, it's easy to find. Have you done a lot of solo travel? 
not much and like you said every time I thought I was going on a solo trip I just ended up spending so much time with other people like for my 30th birthday I went on a trip to Nicaragua and just made a ton of friends and I was like all right guess I'm spending this with loads of people because I thought it was going to be like my moment of soul searching like I'm turning 30 I'm going to go on my own trip and just be by myself and write or whatever didn't happen that way (laughs) but it unfolded in the most lovely way so it was all good that's that's awesome yeah trips never really end up the way you think they're going to end up no they don't were there any moments where you were like frightened or things didn't go according to plan and how did you handle those Oh, yeah. I think I was frightened from the moment I landed because I didn't really know what was going to happen. Nobody knew where I was, really. There weren't cell phones. I wasn't carrying a smartphone where I could just look up a map and figure out where I was or text somebody and let them know, okay, I'm going to this place now. Right. You have to go to the internet cafe. (laughs) (laughs) Here I am and (laughs) we'll see if I manage to get to where I need to go but started meeting people right away. And within the first week of the trip, I flew into Madrid and then I went to Barcelona and I met this guy and we shared a room and everything. And we were hanging out and then we met some other people. And foolishly, just a weekend, you know, totally naive in many ways, went out to go to a club at around like two in the morning or something. And we were walking up this lighted path, but decided to take the shortcut down uh, the middle of the grass, this path sort of went up a hill and curved. So if you walked across, you could go through a grassy area and kind of like cut the path off. But it was dark-ish. You know, it wasn't in the woods or anything, but it was dark and was walking down there with a couple friends. And next thing we knew, we were surrounded by like 10 people. And, you know, some guy grabbed me and put my arms behind my back and held me in. And I saw another guy coming with his fists about to punch me in the face. And these two girls I was with, the one, she was badass. She just said, she was like, no, she didn't say no. Like, no, oh my God, this is terrible. She was like, no, like, you're not doing that, buster, you know? And uh, it just like froze the guy for a second, you know? And, and, And then I was able to sort of wiggle out and push the other guy that was on me away. And we were all sort of, it was a weird, precarious situation. Uh, but at the same time, while this was happening, the whole group was kind of like moving. We were like kind of moving towards this lighted path area. So we were able to just get out of it. It was a total buzzkill. That was lucky. That. Yeah. But, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So at worst case scenario, probably would have just gotten beat up and robbed or whatever. I didn't get anything taken. The guy tried to take my necklace, but it was some cheap, stupid chain necklace. It didn't matter. But anyway, it, in hindsight, it was good that that happened the first week of the trip because I realized, oh, yeah, I'm out in the world. I can't just, you know, I have to use, I still have to use common sense. I'm on this great adventure, but, you know, let's have adventures. Let's get out there and do some crazy things and put yourself out there and let me not, you know, be afraid of the world and people because that's part of travel experience, right? You have to be open and, and make those assumptions that most people are good and they are. But these things can happen when you don't use common sense. I mean, they can happen anytime, of course, but, you know, two in the morning, walking down a dark area, you know, at a popular place, a little off the beaten track, it can happen. So learning that lesson early on really allowed me to make sure I was using common sense through the rest of the trip. (laughs) And so you said you met these Australians who made you realize that maybe this could be more of a lifestyle for you. Yeah. How did that go? 
Well, I remember one in particular I met in a hostel in the South of France and we were just talking to each other and was like, Oh, what? I was like, what are you doing today? And he's like, Oh, I'm just going down to the dock to try to find some work to do some painting because some boats needed painting. And this was like, probably, I don't know how many Australians I met before this who had told me they were traveling for years or a year, or, you know, crazy amounts of time to me. Right. Mm -hmm. I was on like a six or eight week trip. These guys and gals were talking about years. <laughs> some of them already had years in. Some of them were planning just at least a year. I just never thought that you could travel internationally like that for a year. And then when I met this guy and he said he was doing that, I kind of made the connection of, oh, yeah, they're just kind of figuring it out as they go. And you can really, I had already made travel a bit of a lifestyle through my work back in the States, but that was just, that, so I was already exposed to that idea. I was like, okay, if I can do this in the US, I can stay in this industry, I can travel around and I can get paid to do it. But I hadn't really translated that to an international experience until I started meeting these different people who were traveling for years. And I, I just thought, wow, this is really something that I could, I could do. I can make travel my lifestyle so I could live my life on the road and that's okay. I wouldn't be alone. I wouldn't be the only person doing it out there in the world. For some reason, that was a comforting thought. Mm. And then did you go home first to decide like what the next phase was going to be? Or did you just continue traveling? Yeah, I just, uh, what happened was I didn't know that I was going to be nomadic for a decade. What happened was I just, after this trip and getting exposed to this idea that travel can just kind of be your life and that's cool, accepting that I wasn't going to be a part of the status quo and just saying, and that didn't mean I didn't have anxiety about it at some points, you know, five, seven years into touring, I see my you know, and traveling and doing all these international adventures, I see my friends, you know, climbing up the corporate ladder, or like getting married or having kids, you know, all these things that happen as you grow up and your friends do things and you do things and you start to, you can't help. I think it's human nature to compare and kind of think, oh, like, you know, they're on a certain track. Am I supposed to be on that track? Am I falling behind? Because I'm just this event tour manager who travels around and I just don't have roots. And I just, but in the end, travel always won out. Just like, hey, this is fun. I'm still enjoying this. I love this lifestyle. I love that I get to do this. I'm able to save a lot of money because I don't have a place to live with these jobs. I don't have to pay for gas. I don't have to own a car. I can take that money and travel overseas and have more experiences. I love this. Why would I just not keep doing this? It, it seemed like a kind of a no-brainer. So I think what happened was in real time, well, what did happen was in real time, I just kept choosing travel because it was just the thing I wanted to do the most. And when you just compound that, it just adds up. And then next thing you know, you're on the road for 10 plus years and you've done a lot of things. So that's kind of how it went for me. What were you doing work-wise while you were traveling? Uh, well, I was doing these event jobs. I did these event touring jobs and I did one summer as an adventure tour guide because I wanted to try that out. So I got to take a group across the US, do a camping trip, got to be a part of a like a Harley Davidson motorcycle tour down Route 66 and different things like Very that. Cool. That was cool. I didn't ride the motorcycles. I just I just drove the van with all their luggage. So wasn't don't get the don't get the glamorous image of me with sunglasses riding a <laughs> Harley down Route 66. It wasn't me, but it was it was a fun experience. Uh, I eventually, towards the end of my touring career, got into uh, working in music. So I worked as a tour manager for a band, slept on the bus, and did the whole 
concert tour venue thing. So I had that experience. So I've gotten to have a lot of different types of travel experiences through my work. And also in between those contracts, because with contract work, then just kind of independently travel on my own to different places. So uh, I feel very fortunate that I've been able to travel in different ways. And, and that has allowed me to kind of, I, I guess it allowed me to continue my travels for as long as I wanted. And I think that's a, that's always a piece of advice I give to people. Like the more open-minded you are about how you can travel, the better chance you have of continuing your travels and also being happier, I would say on the road, because after a while you can get tired, you can get burnt out. So if things are getting stale, all right, well, maybe you should stop doing seasonal work and you can start a business that's remote or whatever, whatever the thing is that is going to scratch your itch. And, and with my podcast, Zero to Travel, I love to hear still to this day, I'm obsessed with hearing about all the different ways that people travel because there are so many ways you can do it. And I think sharing that is really valuable because you never know what's going to hit somebody's ears and they're going to think, oh, I could do that that could work for me right now. And that can get them off and running on their own uh, travel life. Let's talk more about Zero to Travel. How did that come about when we like, I'm going to get into podcasting? <laughs> yeah. Well, looking back, I was kind of doing a podcast all along in some ways because I love learning about people. Mm -hmm. You know how it is doing a podcast. You get to just ask questions and learn about people. And I did that I did that all the time. You know, the, the same conversation took place almost at every hostel I've ever been to. It's like, oh, where, you know, where are you from? Where you been? Where are you going? All these things never got old to me. Always loved that conversation. <laughs> Always loved hearing where people were from, where they were going, what they've done. Loved it. Still love it to this day. Not a boring conversation to me. It's one of my favorite things to do. I just love hearing about people's lives. So that element and then and then the element of helping people travel and i think that just came from realizing how much of an impact travel had on me and how close i could have been to not doing it at all because of either my belief limiting beliefs or uh just not getting exposed to the right things or the right people or not taking action myself uh, i realized well there are other people out there i know there are other people out there that want to do this and maybe they just need to be exposed to that too. Maybe I could fill the role of the expander, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So I just said, well, let me just have some conversations and share some of these different ways that people can travel because I think it's valuable for people. And I have a passion for helping people do that. I always got excited when people came to me for travel advice because I knew how to travel and I knew different ways you could do it. So I was able to help them. And that always excited me and thrilled me. And I, I thought, wow, I never thought I could really make a career out of it. Turns out I, I did. But I thought, wow, if I could make a career out of it, that would be a dream career. So the podcast, really the intention behind that was just to share the stories. I started it back in 20, late 2013. So it's been a while. Just started recording interviews and sharing stories. And people started listening, started hearing from people where they were, it was providing value to their lives, helping them travel. And that it's just those interactions from the listeners that, has kept it going for seven plus years now. Wow. So you were like an original podcaster pretty much. Well, <laughs> I don't know. There was podcasting before then, but I, I've done it for a while. And, you know, uh, there was one moment 
when I was on tour with the, with the bands and we were in Brooklyn and I went to this bar to have a beer and I met this woman. I've actually sent her this message. She appreciated it. She had written a book about like the, he- like the metal scene. So she was a, a rock journalist and she was telling me about this book and how she had interviewed all these people for this book. And something really clicked for me in that moment. And I said, that's what I, I want to do that. I want to interview people. That seems like a really fun thing to do. Great way to learn uh, and just uh, an exciting craft to work on, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So yeah, all of that stuff combined equaled the Zero to Travel podcast, I guess. And you've just been figuring out from the beginning, you were just figuring out how to edit it and do all of that stuff yourself or you had- I hired an editor pretty early on because I, I knew, and I think, this is a good advice for anybody when you want to do something. If, if there's an element of that that's going to prevent you from doing it, then figure out a way that you cannot do that <laughs> so you can do the thing that you want to do, right? For me, it was going to be, I didn't want to get in, edit the show and, and all that kind of stuff. And I also wanted it to be a professional quality out of the gate. To me, it was a worthwhile investment for myself and for the listeners to have it professionally edited because I didn't have to do it and it wasn't going to hold me back from focusing on the content and the interviews and getting the right guests and things like that. So uh, I didn't want to let the small thing like that, that was going to irritate me or just be tedious, stop me from creating this thing. Good advice. Good advice. And then let's talk some about Location Indie. How did that come about? Yeah. My buddy Travis and I met at a conference uh, and we started chatting and we started working together. So we did a couple projects and we realized how much we love being around other people that run their own businesses, we call it lifestyle businesses. You know, it's this idea of creating a business that fits into the lifestyle that you want to have. So for me, the evolution of my travel lifestyle has been, you know, doing travel jobs. I settled down for a little bit when I got burnt out, but then I wanted to get back out on the road and have that flexibility again. And at that point, I was ready to scratch the entrepreneurial itch. And after reading Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week and realizing, oh, this lifestyle business thing is this, this is the thing. I heard the term location independent, which meant you could work from anywhere. And that's all I needed to hear. I was like, yes, I want to have a business that allows me to work from anywhere so I can travel when I want, where I want, do these sort of things, you know date the Norwegian girl that I met in Brazil years ago, <laughs> I reconnected with all these random things who I'm not married to and have two kids with, by the way. I want to hear more about that <laughs> in a little while. <laughs> yeah. So once I kind of went on that journey, then it was like, okay, let me figure out how to create a location independent business. Then it was all about learning business, trying to figure it out, trying to figure out what I was going to start. And it was hard. It was really hard and things didn't really start happening for me until I got around other people with the same goals. And it was a certain kind of person, right? It was, it was the person that wants to have a business, but they're also doing it because you don't want to squeeze in all the fun things into two weeks a year. You're trying to design something that's holistic, that fits in with your, with your lifestyle. So you can have the lifestyle you want, the flexibility and freedom you want. But you can also have the business too and, and scratch the entrepreneurial itch and kind of marrying all that together. And those people were hard to find, frankly. I didn't really get going on the journey until I joined a community of other people that were into this. 
And eventually, Travis and I, we just had some different friends that were doing this. And we just saw how much value we got out of being around each other, being around our friends who were kind of pursuing the same goals. And we just thought we should just start a community of people so we could just bring these people together. And that's what we did. That's what Location Indie is. It's a community of um, location independent entrepreneurs and lifestyle business owners. They're either budding, you know, growing, growing a business or they already have one. Digital nomads, some people that are just living in RVs and traveling around. And um, it's a community where we just try to help each other kick butt in business and travel. That's what we do. I love that. And obviously, since the pandemic, there's a lot more people who can now be location independent yeah. or become digital nomads. I'm one of them. I'm about to leave next week, leaving New York, packing everything up and hitting the road indefinitely. Oh, nice. Where are you um, going? So first stop is Montana and then just kind of traveling down through cowboy country to California and then not sure where. <laughs> after In, that. Indefinitely. Where are you going to where are you going to sleep? Well, we're going to stay in most, mostly like Airbnbs and hotels. So yeah, okay. kind of moving around, but cool. and maybe with some friends, but yeah, I'm not sure like where after that, but. I so you're like going, you're going into your nomadic journey. Yeah. I'm so Congratulations. excited. Thank you. So I guess my question is. Well, wait, hold on. Are you excited? Okay. I'm so excited. I mean, I'm at that How stage you... now where like the stress is peaking because it's like yeah. extremely busy at work, extremely busy social life because everyone wants to say goodbye like yeah. final touches to trip planning and also like trying to figure out moving out of the apartment, putting everything in storage. So I'm a bit like, Ooh. Yeah, it's a <laughs> um, lot. but it's going to be worth it. I'm so excited. Do you mind if I ask you a question? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> because I've just found in my experience that when you make a decision like you're making or like you have made, it just forces you to answer a lot of big questions. You don't really face in your daily life, right? Like your stuff is a good example. It's like, what, what stuff do I really want to keep? How much stuff do I want to have? You know, is this stuff valuable to me? All of these things, it's just like when you're living your day-to-day life, your stuff's just there, but then you decide to go nomadic and now you're like, what is my relationship with this stuff? You know, what am I supposed to do with this? Is it worth, you know, I mean, I'm just wondering like, how has that process been for you kind of sifting through some of these? Yeah, just, uh, you know, that or like, yeah. And any of it around the transition from where you're going to being nomad. I think it's interesting because I, I always wanted to move to New York City. That was something yeah. since, I mean, I'm, I'm an, I guess, elder millennial. So I grew up watching Sex in the City, like many lady <laughs> elder millennials. And so I really wanted to move to New York and I feel like I was just trying to manifest it. And for so many years, you know, I was taking small baby steps and then finally made it out here in 2013. It's been, frankly, a real struggle with visa dramas and everything else. But at the end of last year, I finally got my green card. And I was like, oh my God, freedom. Like now I can work where I want. I can go anywhere in the States. It's all good. But it's just funny, mm. I guess, after fighting so hard to be able to stay in New York, to be now that I can stay in New York, I'm like, well, I'm going to leave New York now. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, so yeah, I feel like I, I built this established life and, and tried really hard to keep that and not to have to go back to the UK. And now I've just kind of torn it all up to see what else is out there. Why? But, I think honestly, it was just the last year I had like an extremely depressing, I mean, everyone found it hard, but like I had a lot of loss and grief and anxiety and depression and just like feeling miserable. And then at the beginning of this year, I, I think me and my husband had just like, like basically my, I had another death and I was like, I just want to go to Miami. (laughs) It's freezing in New York. I'm miserable. 
I have to go. I was like, we have to go to Miami. Like I need some, I need to like warm my bones and rest my heart for a second. Mm. So we, we went down there. And then while we were there, I, I find that I can do good thinking while I'm away on trips. I don't know if you feel the same way. It kind of shifts because you have the the headspace for it and you have different conversations with the people that you're with than you might have on a day-to-day basis at home. And so I just started being like, what if we just did something totally different? Like there's nothing, there's nothing that makes me happier than travel. And I think my husband was also like, he could see how miserable I was and thought, I'm just going to agree to whatever makes her happier. (laughs) (laughs) So when I was like, we should just put everything in storage and and leave and and go around the country and see and see national parks. And he was like, okay, yeah, let's do that. (laughs) Not the worst plan. Not the worst plan. Exactly. (laughs) And like, you know, I think it was 2020 was an extremely existential year for everybody. And Mm -hmm. I think it made us really reevaluate like how we're living and also what we want to see and do in the short term that we have. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations. That's an, sounds like an awesome decision as far as I'm concerned. Thanks Jason. I think so. (laughs) I was like, but yeah, what advice would you have for me or people like me who are considering doing this now that they have the flexibility to do it for the first time potentially? Oh man. It's a different kind of balance working from home versus working when you're traveling. So, you know, for those of you that are working like you are as you're, I'm, I'm assuming you didn't quit your job. You're, you're, you're going to be working the whole way. Still right? working and our team's actually always kind of been remote. So yeah. there's always been that potential to be more flexible. Like I've taken sure. trips back to the UK and worked remote from there, but this is the first time I'm going to be kind of, yeah, location independent. Yeah. I think it's really important to make sure that the work gets done, of course, but it's not happening all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as you can be in the world and just being present with the things you're doing and the places that you are, I think you could just get a lot more out of travel in that way. You know, it's not worth knocking out a few emails while you're on the go here and there because that small thing turns into an everyday thing. And then the next thing you know, when you get out and do stuff, you're kind of working all the time. And, you know, I've re- I read somewhere, I, I don't remember where, I wish I could cite it, but um, it, it made a lot of sense to me. Back in the day, if somebody was working at a factory or something, they went to the factory and then they had their toolbox or whatever. And then they left their toolbox at the factory and they came home and then they lived their life in between. Our toolbox is here. I'm pointing to my head for those of you listening, (laughs) it's with us all the time. So you have to manage it in a way that you are able to set it down in the factory, whatever, and you're able to go out and have travel experiences, experiencing the place without all of the work stuff getting in the way. It's not an easy thing to do. And I only say this because I just feel like I got so much value out of my travels over the year. I was fortunate in that I did a lot of traveling before the hyper-connected world that we live in today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there wasn't a choice. There wasn't a smartphone to go to for a lot of my trips. Even when there was, I just wasn't that into it for a long time. And it really made me, I guess, soak in a place, I think, in a different way. There were no distractions in that way. So they did come eventually. And I'm still trying to figure out how to manage them like everybody else. But I think if you can set yourself up for healthy habits on the road, and by that I mean 
you know, setting yourself up for having the experience that you want to have in terms of the things you want to see and how you want to be present in a place and figuring out what that looks like for you, where you can still get your work done and you're still able to do that. If you can figure that balance out, then you can have the best of both worlds, right? You can be fulfilled with your career and your work and, and making progress there, but you can also be fulfilled with your travel experiences. Because if you try to do it all, you kind of get stuck in the, I'm doing everything all at once. And to me, that's not as enjoyable in some ways, or it can be. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have a good time. It just means that, yeah, it can be more challenging, I suppose. Maybe not as fulfilling is the word I was looking for. That's good advice. I think keeping that separation is key. And I'm definitely one of those people who, you know, sometimes over in the past, I've had colleagues who have said, okay, guys, I'm going on vacation, but if you need me, you can reach me. I'll be checking in. I'm always like, I'm not checking in. And don't yeah. call me unless it's an absolute yeah. emergency. I'm not right checking on. emails. Like my notifications are off. So just know that. <laughs> Emergencies only. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's like the anti-typical autoresponder, right? Yeah. It's like in case of emergencies, don't contact me. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be checking email periodically. <laughs> exactly. I love that. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about your wife. So you said you met in Brazil. Yeah. How did things unfold from there? How did you end up? Oh, getting well, that married? was a whole dramatic story. We don't have another <laughs> podcast episode to do. But anyway, yeah, we met and I was on a short trip. She was traveling by herself in South America uh, for six months. So as soon as I met her and I heard that, I'm like, well, she's already pre qualified as cool as far as I'm concerned. You know, I always say this it's not like you, you walk into a hostile type of situation. And like for me, yeah, meeting people like there's already sort of a baseline, like you're cool just because you're here because you're okay with showering in dirty showers and like sleeping in this bed. So like by default, you're already sort of like uh, maintained a level of coolness in my, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you meet, you walk into a bar and you meet people like you don't know anything about them. You walk into a hostel and meet people, you kind of like, you know, a little bit, you know, at least they're open-minded enough and like maybe unafraid of, of having some discomfort in their lives in some regard, right? So anyway, yes, yeah, so we met and we had this awesome connection. There was a lot of dramatic story around that. So I don't need to get all to all. But anyway, we didn't, we weren't really in contact for four years after that. You know, she went back and then I kind of went back touring, did my life, single for a while, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, we reconnected after four years and started now it sounds like a sappy romantic comedy. We started <laughs> writing letters and so romantic. You know, getting in touch kind of. And, and then, yeah, we've just started getting in touch. And then we like fell out of touch a little bit, but sort of kept in touch. And then it ramped up a bit. And then we were kind of like, I was kind of like, okay, well, if we're not going to meet up or something, we should either like, we either need to like stop doing this. Because this is like, it feels like we're starting to like sort of date from afar, but we hadn't seen each other for years. And so we decided to meet up in New York City, back to New York City again, to see if the magic was there. I don't know. That was a wild thing. So her parents, I remember like, you're, you're doing what? You're flying to New York to meet this guy? You're like, what? Crazy. <laughs> so anyway, we met up in New York and the magic was there. So spent like four or six days together and we just started dating. And since I was working on this whole location independent thing, it happened. 
for me. So I was able to come over to Europe. And I remember the first time I came, I was like, Hey, I called her up. I'm like, I'm coming to visit you. She's like, that's so awesome. I probably should have checked in with her. She's like, how long are you coming for? I'm like three months. And it was just like <laughs> silence on the phone. <laughs> that's intense. <laughs> yeah. Because basically our sixth date together was us living together. Kind of. So I understand now from her perspective, like maybe that was a little much, but from my perspective, I was kind of like, well, I'm a traveler. Like I don't need to be there the whole time, you know? And if things don't work out, we, I can just go to another country and hang out for a couple months or travel around or whatever. I didn't think, I wasn't thinking that much of it. Meanwhile, she's got her, you know, her apartment and her life and all this stuff going on. But I was also like, this is a thing or it's not like, there's really no in between when you're dating this way. Yeah. Like it's long not like distance I lived down dating. This... <laughs> it's very yeah, long. Distance. I mean, we couldn't really, so I was kind of like, I got to see if this is a thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, anyway, that's it uh... was. Well, it was. Yeah. We're married now. <laughs> <laughs> and you live in Oslo and you have two kids. Yeah. Two kids. So I guess one of the things personally that has deterred me from having kids is this feeling that it would make travel much, much harder. In your experience, is that true? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're supposed to be like, no, you can make it work. (laughs) Oh, you can make it work, but it's harder. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, okay. I I just kind of said that for comedic effect a little bit. uh, I mean, this is a show after all. We have to entertain, right? Exactly. my kids are three and five now. It's an age thing, right? It depends, depending on what you want to do and their age, it can certainly be harder. I mean, you got to bring more stuff. There's, you can only do so much during, a, during the day. I feel like when I'm traveling with my kids, it's like you, you pick one thing that day and that's the thing you do. It's one or zero things. <laughs> and then you come home and you have your meals or whatever, you know, it's just, you can't, try to pack an itinerary and see a bunch of stuff. You can't expect to go see a bunch of stuff. So it's different. But at the same time, you know, I'm speaking from a limited experience because my kids are three and five. I'm really, I've done traveling with them and we've taken them to the States for a period of time, to Colorado and Florida. We've taken them to Philly. We've taken them to Mexico. That was a wild ride. We've taken them around Norway. Now with the pandemic and everything, we haven't been, you know, too many places with them overseas. But yeah, it can, it can be uh, challenging and different, but um, I'm also so looking forward to showing them the world and it's just, it's just different. Right. And uh, it's only going to get easier uh, you know, in terms of they'll, they'll eventually be able to like carry their own stuff and, you know, I want them to change their diapers and things like that. So um, <laughs> you don't always need a million things. It's like a big picture thing for me. Right. Uh, I, I have spent a lot of time traveling. I feel fortunate. I'm, I live somewhere now, but I don't feel like I have to be nomadic because I feel like I had that experience and I'm really just fulfilled by helping other people have that experience. Doesn't mean I'm not going to do it again someday, uh, but I don't feel like I've missed out on anything by having kids because I've done all these things. And it's like, well, the world's still there. You know, I know at some point I want to ride a bike across the United States or like do all these different things. And hopefully I'll live long enough and do those things. But if they don't happen right away, it's, it's okay. I've done a lot of things and I can't wait to share travel with them. I'm really looking forward to doing more of that. So it's a really good way of putting it. I always see these influencers like who are traveling with twins 
twin babies and they're dressed really cute and coordinating outfits and I'm like how are they doing this this <laughs> I don't know I don't know if it's obviously Instagram lies uh yeah well I mean yeah you're gonna have magical moments like you do on on the road with yourself or with your partner you're gonna have magical moments with your kids too you're gonna have hard moments it's like any other trip right they're gonna be amazing things and challenging things and annoying things and <laughs> that's life on the road yeah <laughs> Do you have time for some quick fire questions? Now? Yeah. Okay, great. What's the one thing that everybody should do in their lifetime? Hitchhike. Ooh, no one said that before. Why hitchhike? Because first of all, if you, if you have any doubts, you, it'll probably restore your faith in humanity. You also are throwing yourself into the world in a way that is very vulnerable, I guess and thrilling and also it's just a special kind of experience uh, you, you, you know you are it it's a trade-off when you hitchhike you're getting a ride right but if you're doing it i think with the right heart then you are also giving something back and that might not be gas money or something like that it's more about a lot of people that pick you up they, they might want to tell a story they just want to share time with somebody right uh, you know, I'm putting aside the dangers involved, of course. There are practical aspects of hitchhiking. But there are many places in the world where it's pretty safe to hitchhike. It's a common thing. You know, you got like, I, I was in a hitchhiking race in Scotland once, which was like a very grassroots. It wasn't like a real formal thing. It was just organized by a friend of mine. And we all met and we camped out on this hill the night before outside of Edinburgh. And then we took off. It was uh, teams of, it was like three teams of two. We went in opposite directions and we had to like hit all these different checkpoints and take our pictures next to these different monuments and everything. It was all just for fun. Right. And it was just such an amazing experience and such a, a wonderful way to meet Scottish people. We got picked up by a, a guy that worked at a, a whiskey distillery who runs it. We got picked up by, yeah, like a woman that was actually our last ride. She had, she'd never, she's like, I never picked up a hitchhiker before. She had her kid in the backseat and everything. She's like, just cool. We got picked up by another woman who um, we couldn't get a ride in this one place. And she, she's like, well, I'll just take you guys on like, this is like the commute that she does five days a week. And it was a Sunday and she didn't even have to go there but she just drove us like 30 minutes just so we could get there out of her way there was another older couple that picked us up that drove us it was must have been an hour and a half out of their way both ways by the time they they drove wow. us to get a picture up on this mountain and then drove us back to like the beginning of the valley basically so it's just people are amazing well another woman owned a, a restaurant she stopped and like fed us another couple took us in to their home and fed us dinner this is all just over a period of a few days, you know? So there's some kind of interesting exchange that takes place uh, when you hitchhike and you never quite know what that's going to be. That might sound scary to some people, <laughs> but it is pretty thrilling. I love that answer. Great one. What do you never ever travel without? My Kindle. Your Kindle? Yeah, I love to read. Mm -hmm. I, I, I got to have my Kindle every night. I read in bed and uh, 
Oh, married. So the, having the lights on usually isn't a, I work a lot at night here because of the time zone change. So yeah, I got to have my Kindle. In that case, one book you'd recommend. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that really depends on what it is that you're looking for. Right. Uh, I think uh, there are definitely, of course, like anybody else, I have a set of books that have been pretty life-changing for me. I think a good one to recommend that that's great for everybody is The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. It's a really great reminder that we are not our minds, essentially. Mm, I have to look that one up. Where were you from in a past life? Argentina, maybe. Perhaps Norway. I've been having some kind of weird connections with Scandinavia. So I'd say Scandinavia and Argentina. If you could teleport somewhere just for the day, where would you go and what would you do? Is that day today? Yes. Because it's a beautiful day here in Norway. So I'll give you two answers. Well, the one is I would, of course, teleport and see my family because I haven't gotten to see them in two and a half years. So that's like the pandemic version, the less fun sort of version that people don't want to hear, right? It's like, yeah. But I mean, I would love to teleport back to the USA and take my kids and my wife with me and then spend time with my family. But as far as like, if I was just going by myself to like a travel destination, I was able to teleport like out of that situation and then into another situation. I'm trying to think if I would teleport to someplace that I've never been or someplace that I've been that I love. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've never been to Australia, so I might just teleport to some cool surf beach in Australia have like a meal, go surfing, meet some cool people, have a beer at the end of the day, and head back home. Assuming they're not in lockdown. (laughs) Yes, of course. Hotel, Airbnb, or staying with friends? Do I have my kids with me? (laughs) (laughs) If you want them there, then yes. If you don't, then no. (laughs) If I have my family with me, it's Airbnb. If I'm by myself, it's staying with friends. Why do you opt for staying with friends? It's just nice. Yeah. And you get like a true local perspective because they can kind of show you around and just you do what they do. Yeah. I mean, part of it also might be because I'm an expat living in Norway and I don't get to see my friends very often. So when you ask that question, I think, oh, wow, there's so many friends I would just love to catch up with and stay with them. Nice. And finally... Let's wrap up with how do you feel that this trip, the one through Europe, changed your life? Well, to this day, even though it's the trip I took the longest time ago in terms of overseas trips, well, I did one spring break trip to Mexico, but I don't know if I really count that. (laughs) That wasn't the trip that changed my life. I'll tell you that. It's still in many ways one that I, I remember the most moments from. And I feel like, have you ever had that body high where you just feel like you're aligned with something in a certain way that makes your soul vibrate to the point where your body is buzzing? Have you had that experience before? Mm -hmm. I'm getting it now, by the way. (laughs) Um, That is how I felt almost that entire trip. Now, I think that's rare in the sense that I think you can get like the travel buzz or the travel high 
you know, for a period of time, maybe on a trip with that feeling of adventure. But I felt like very much aligned with, at the time, I didn't understand, like maybe I was aligned with like something that would uh, eventually become a big part of maybe my purpose or my mission in life with my work and things like that. But I felt, yeah, it's like I was right where I was supposed to be and everything felt just right, you know, with all the ups and downs and the highs and lows and whatnot. And coming out of that and understanding what was possible in terms of my life and my existence in the world, it, it, it just forever changed me. I love that. Jason, thank you so much. I feel like we were both kind of tired and fuzzy around the edges, but you, you absolutely killed it. So thank you. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, hear more of Jason's travel stories on his own podcast, Zero to Travel. And if you're curious to delve deeper into digital nomadism, you can join the Location Indie community by visiting locationindie.com. Jason and his team are actually hosting a summer camp meets travel conference called Camp Indy the weekend of September 17th, and there's still time to book tickets. Visit campindy.com to find out more about that and secure your place. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you liked it. We'll be back in two weeks time with more inspiring travel stories for your ears. In the meantime, you can learn more about us by visiting fulltimetravel.co or following us on Instagram at full underscore time underscore travel. If you have a story you want to share on the trip that changed me, drop us a line. And please be sure to rate, review and follow so we can keep this adventure going. Bye.